so good to see all of you guys tonight. You guys are amazing. Um, I'm really, really excited to be sharing this word with you. I actually found out I'd be preaching um, last night. And when that kind of thing happens, you know, it's in the natural, it's like, oh, no, I don't have much time. But um, what that means is that God has something special he wants to give you guys. It's not something I could come up with with my own mind, not something I could just kind of prepare for and have perfect, but it's something that he wanted to speak to you. And so he just deposited last minute, all right? So first, I want to have Eugene pull up a slide. Um, <clears throat> Because I want to preach, but I have to show you a picture to do it, to kind of explain something. Um, until then, though, I'm just going to give you guys a quick update on what I did yesterday, okay? So um, if you are ministering, um, Sunday is like the busiest work day because that's the day that you have church, right? So if you're doing full-time ministry, it's really busy on Sunday. So our day off isn't Sunday. Our day off is Monday. So a lot of preachers, a lot of uh, full-time ministers have no work on Monday, and then we start our work week on Tuesday, right? So Monday is my Sabbath day, and I don't just, like, sleep around all day because if I do, I'm actually more tired at the end of the day than if I were to do something fun. Sabbath is really about finding, you know, true rest, intentional rest, things that really restore your soul. That's another sermon, but um, but yesterday what I did for the first time ever was I went rock climbing or like I climbed up a wall I guess it wasn't a real it was like a rock wall know what I mean and I went with people who were used to going before but it was my first time and I love trying new things so I knew I'm gonna have a certain level of fun because it's new um, but I had no idea how much fun I would have rock climbing wall wall rock wall wait how should I should I just say rock climbing is that misleading I didn't climb a rock though or a mountain. I climbed a wall, okay? So um, I went climbing for the first time, and um, so I wasn't preparing for a sermon, guys. I was climbing a wall. But through that, it's crazy, because in the middle of all of it, I really felt like God was speaking to me. I felt like God was speaking to me so powerfully as I was climbing this rock wall. And so whenever I found out I had to preach, I was like, well, I don't have much time to prepare, but man, I can't wait to share what God revealed to me yesterday when I was in the air on that rock wall, all right? So I'm going to share with you guys um, and take you guys on my rock climbing journey. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready to go with me? All right. Uh, first thing I want to do is uh, have everyone open up their Bibles to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. All right, is everyone there? Okay, I'm going to read out loud from my NIV, so follow along with me. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. All right, let's bow our heads and pray together. 
Yeah, God, I thank you that you are a God who is always with us. That, God, your eyes are always on us. That you watch us, God. Your word says that you will not let our foot slip. You will not let us fall. You never rest or slumber, but you are always attentive to us, your children, God. Lord, I thank you that you are here with us tonight. I thank you that your presence is with us in this room. God, I thank you that the word you've prepared, God, for each of us is exactly what we need to hear. God, I thank you that your grace lifts us up. Father, I pray that you reveal a new aspect of your character today. I pray that you reveal who you really are to us, God, that every false idea of who you are, God, falls from us, and you begin to renew our minds about who you truly are and who you call us to be. And so, Father, just anoint each word that leaves my mouth. I just declare every heart and eye and ear is open in this room, and I just declare there are no distractions in this place. And in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, as, you guys can, as you guys can see, um, I'm really excited about this. One day, I want to climb something like that, okay? I'm inspired too, but um, there is a lot more to climbing than you think, all right? So I just went one time, so I know I have a lot more to learn, so maybe you'll get a part two to this sermon in the future, but um, it's not just a single climber excited, like, I see a rock, I'm going to climb it as fast as I can in their excitement. But actually, um, if you try to climb up a, a rock wall or a mountain or whatever by yourself, you could potentially fall and die quite easily, right? And so there will be no more climbing for you ever again if that happens, right? Um, so before you climb, some of the preparations that need to happen, they are crucial, crucial preparations, Okay. Um, first of all, the climber needs to be warmed up. There's like a little like shorter wall next to the big rock wall. And on that shorter wall, you just kind of like hang out like a monkey, okay? You just hang and then you like warm up your arms and you do all these like arm things. Why do you do that? Because if you start climbing and you haven't warmed up or prepared yourself, you could tense up, you could get a cramp, right? You don't exercise without warming up in the same way you don't start climbing without warming up. So you warm up. You also have to um, put on all the gear in the right way, okay? So first, there's special shoes that you wear. There's like, they're kind of like, they look like birds, like toucans. They're kind of pointed. And um, that's because when you, you climb, you have to um, put your toes, the ball of your feet, on the rock rather than your whole foot because then you can push yourself off a lot easier. So they're specially designed shoes. There's also this, this like really cool harness that you put on, okay? You have to like step inside it and it's around your waist and goes through your legs like this. And basically you have to make sure that the harness is extremely like snug right here. There should be no slack, okay? You should not be able to fall out of your harness or just pull it off. You have to tighten it, loosen it. On top of that, there's this, um, the long rope that's tied to your harness. But it's not just any knot, okay? It's a special knot. And they have many different kinds of knots, but the knot that I learned was beautiful. There's like eight different um, parts of it, and you have to like follow the, the string a certain way, measure it like by your arm's length. It's like, it's like a science. It's an art to this, this knot tying, okay? Because it has to be tight enough. It has to be the right kind of knot. Otherwise, you get up there, it can loosen. You don't want a knot that's going to loosen on your rope when you're on a mountain or a rock wall, right? So all these preparations need to be made before you can even step foot, your, your first step up the mountain. 
the next thing that we have to do is get the belay ready, okay? Everyone say belay. That is a new word for Rona, okay? Because I learned it yesterday. But a belay is the process of securing and safeguarding a climber by using a rope to hold the climber's weight if he or she falls. It's the rope system that you guys see here. Okay? Is my, my cord going to reach? Okay. Yeah. So basically, you see this long rope, right? This is, this is a, a belay, all right? Everyone say belay. Okay, cool. So here's a guy standing here, and then there's a rope that goes all the way up to the top where the, this climber wants to go, okay? And then um, the rope also goes down to the climber. The rope is attached to the climber's harness. Do you guys see that? It's kind of fuzzy. And the rope is also attached to this guy, okay? So this system is called a belay. So if the climber falls, they will not die. You guys see how that, how that works? Okay. So... There's actually, um, this other person that's involved is extremely important, as you guys can see, as you guys can kind of guess from the picture, right? Um, this person is crucial, and this person is called the belayer, okay? The system is called a belay, and the person is called belayer, noun, all right? The belayer stands at the bottom and watches the climber attentively the whole time they're making their way up the rock wall or mountain, during the whole climb, the belayer and the climber are connected by that rope on their harness, okay? The belayer makes sure that the climber is ready to climb. The belayer watches the climber the whole time they're climbing. The belayer is also able to see the whole mountainside, the whole picture, the whole thing, right? And the belayer helps the climber by instructing them on where a good place to grab or put your next, your foot, um, your next move, Okay? The, the belayer also has the ability to give more slack or tension to the rope, okay? In essence, the climber's life completely rests on the belayer and, and their attentiveness, all right? If you have a bad belayer or they stop paying attention or they get distracted, you can imagine what could happen, right? Your life rests on the security of that rope and on your belayer's ability to hold on to it. If the belayer takes his hand off the rope, the climber could potentially fall to their death, all right? The last thing that needs to happen, this is all before the climb, right? But the last thing that needs to happen before the climber can, can go up the, the mountain is the belayer and the climber stand face to face, okay? And then the belayer tugs on the climber's harness, makes sure it's tight enough. The belayer looks at the knot, makes sure it's a good knot, and then... The climber checks the belayer's, like, little lock thing that the, the rope is tied to. Okay, that term I didn't learn yet, okay? But then there is a term for that, too. And then the climber asks, on belay? Everyone say, on belay. On belay. And the belayer responds with, belay on. Okay? <laughs> All right, so the climber says, on belay, after they check each other out, and then the belayer says, belay on. All right? So, everyone say, belay on. Okay. During this exchange, what is being communicated between the climber and the belayer is crucial. It happens every time a climber goes up. Every single time. If a a climber goes up five times, they say it every time. It's that important. Okay? It's not just um, this, this thing that you turn off your mind for. It's important. It's important that this exchange happens because when the climber asks on belay, he's asking, belayer, are you ready? Are you awake? 
Are you watching? Are you ready to save my life and catch me if I fall? And when the belayer responds with, belay on, he's saying, I'm ready. I'm watching. I've got you. My eyes are on you. You're good to go. Your harness is secure. All the preparations have been made. I've got you. Go ahead. Okay? That's being communicated with belay on, on belay. All right? Then the climber faces the wall. Finally, the, the climber goes to the wall or the mountainside. And then he says, climbing. And the belayer says, climb on. All right? Isn't that so cool? I could just do that all day. So awesome. Okay. So tonight, every time I say on belay, I want you guys to say belay on. All right? Okay, everyone's with me? So in Psalm 121, the passage that we opened up with, um, that we just read, it says that the Lord will not allow our foot to slip or be moved. And the word slip in this passage is a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for slip is moat. Everyone say moat. Moat can also mean not just slipping, but shaking, tottering, wavering, or even falling. Okay? Psalm 121 is saying God will not let you shake, totter, waver, or fall. This passage also says, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. Okay? In one small segment of scripture, it's repeated three times. The Lord watches over you. He does not sleep. The Lord watches over you. He watches over you. Okay? He says it, it says it three times, just in case you didn't know, The Lord watches over you, okay? He does not sleep. He does not slumber. He is paying attention. In Hebrew, the word watches in this psalm is called shamar. Everyone say shamar. It means to attend, diligently keep, guard, protect, maintain, preserve, pay attention to, care for, secure, and observe. When it says the Lord watches you three times, it's saying he cares for you. He secures you. He preserves you. He is attentive to you. He cares for you. Okay? All of those things are meant when the psalmist says the Lord watches over you. What I want to preach about tonight is something God revealed powerfully to me yesterday and that he is a perfect belayer. Yesterday, when I was being belayed up that rock wall, I had a revelation that Jesus, that God is the best belayer of them all. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about God as our belayer. You see, you can compile all of the belayer's duties into three roles, okay? The first one is to restrain and prepare. The second is to instruct. And the third is to create tension, okay? So the first point I want to make is to talk about the belayer's role of restraining and preparing us. So imagine that exchange between the climber and the belayer, okay? Like, on belay, okay? And, and let's just say that the, the belayer checks out the climber's harness and knot and sees that it's not fastened at all. He sees that the knot is really, really crappy knot, so it's going to loosen. And then he sees that his shoes are untied, like one of the shoes is missing, okay? He sees that the climber is really stressed out, not at peace. If the climber goes up and says, hey, like, I'm going to go hit that wall, all right? I'm just going to go like this. Do you think that a good belayer will say, climb on, climb on? Like, do you think that the belayer would say that? No, because that would make him a bad belayer, right? A good belayer will, will sometimes have to restrain the climber if the climber is not ready. 
A good belayer won't let the climber go forward until everything is in place. On belay? In our, in our Psalm 121 passage, when it says the Lord watches us or shamars us, some of the meanings of the word is to guard, preserve, and secure, right? A good belayer will do this for a climber if the climber is not ready. And God does this for his children if we are not ready for something or if we're not ready to climb something, right? Or if something isn't good for us. Did you know that there is freedom in being restrained by the Lord? And I know that sounds like it doesn't make any sense, but there is freedom in restraint. There is freedom. If a belayer said climb on when a, when a climber's not ready, there is no freedom in plummeting to your death. You die. There's no more climbing. There's no more anything, right? But if a belayer says, no, you're not ready. Let's get some things ready first. That restraint actually frees the, the climber to live and to be able to climb when they are ready, right? There is freedom in restraint. Um, you know that sometimes God restrains us from going forward until we're fully prepared, or he restrains us from going somewhere until we're fully prepared, or restrains us from doing something until we're, we're fully prepared, because... Um, he shamars us. He watches over us and he cares for us. And often one way that God will manifest his restraint in our life is through our shepherds or spiritual leaders. It's grace that keeps us and restrains us from climbing when we're not ready to go. Has your spiritual leader ever said, you should think about that relationship. Maybe that friendship isn't the healthiest one for you. Hey, maybe... It'd be wise to stay away from alcohol for that season. Maybe that group of friends isn't good for you. Does that sound like restraint? It is. It is. We're keeping you down from something that looks exciting to climb, right? But I'm ready. Like, look at how exciting that mountain is. I'm strong. I'm young. I just want to have a little fun. What is it going to hurt? But a good belayer knows when you're ready. A good belayer has oversight over you and cares for you. A good belayer shamars you, watches over you. And if they say, no climb on, no climb on, you need to trust them, right? So I want to give you guys a personal story about, um, about this kind of restraint. You know, sometimes it's restraint from something that's obviously bad. Like if I went to Pastor Aaron and said, hey, I want to... Um, take some ecstasy. Some good restraint would be, no, you will not, okay? You will not get on drugs. But sometimes there's good things that we should also be restrained from that don't make sense. Like, Lord, I want to go on missions and save the entire world. Or, Lord, let me just drop out of school and, and be a missionary and serve orphans or whatever. These sound like noble things, but sometimes God will restrain us in his wisdom and grace from even these, right? Because we don't want to climb that kind of mountain and not be ready for it, not be prepared. And so this actually is a story that I want to share with you guys about how I did that, all right? So um, I was, as you guys know from my, my testimony, I was a student in Emmaus at Yonsei in spring 2008, and um, I was set on fire. I was just so full of zeal and passion and fire for the Lord. During that semester, I remember during midterms, I was, I was stressed about midterms. I sit up all night studying for my Korean test, just like everybody else. But my friends and I, my friend and I just received the gift of tongues around that same time. So we went door by door in the exchange dorm and we just like said, hey, can we pray for you? 
can we pray for your test? And then, and then if they say yes, we just like let ourselves in. We, we started, you know, laying hands and prophesying and speaking in tongues over everybody and freaking everyone out. But we didn't care, you know, because climb on, climb on. Yeah. So anyway, we, I went home to um, America so passionate about Jesus, so on fire, so on fire. And man, I, I got to lead people to Christ. I got to see fruit. It was awesome. But um, I didn't have a belayer. I didn't have a person that God had appointed to be my spiritual leader to restrain me when I needed, to tell me to go forward when I needed, right? So I just tried to belay myself, and I knew God was calling me to ministry in some way. I thought it was um, mission work. And so my junior to senior summer vacation, summer 2009, I um, went online and found this missionary internship in South Africa, okay? And I just sent in my testimony application, um, some reference letters from pastors or whatever, and I got accepted along with like 25 other people from around the America. So we met each other at the airport, and then for three months that summer, just did ministry together. And then um, I was I was chosen. I was like one of the youngest people, but I was chosen. They broke us 25 students up from like I don't know how old. Something to 25. Anyway, I was one of the youngest ones, but they broke us into two groups, and then I was put, made a team leader over 12 or 13 people. And I was really like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, this is intimidating. But I remember um, just all the ministry experiences we got there were so awesome. We um, helped to renovate a disabled children's home, did ministry with the, these disabled kids. Like, it was powerful. Kids who couldn't hear, who couldn't see, who couldn't walk. We were able to love them and manifest Jesus to them. Um, we got to go to the hospitals regularly in South Africa. And um, it's like, South Africa is one of the more developed nations in Africa, in the continent of Africa. But even so, the hospitals were so unsanitary, so, um, like, people with, with communicable infectious diseases were put in, in beds right next to people without it. It was so, like, not good, not good. And um, But we would go there, lay hands on the sick, pray for their healing. I saw so many like sicknesses that I never saw or thought existed before, praying for them. Um, and then one, one ministry experience I had that really impacted me was serving at the AIDS orphanage there. Basically, um, at that time in 2009, one-third of the population of South Africa was HIV positive. It's an epidemic that was, was crazy, mostly because there's so many myths about it. Like, if you, if you um, become HIV positive and have sex with a virgin, then it will make the HIV go away. Like, things like that are said, and so people are not educated or aware of what's going on, and then it just keeps spreading and spreading, right? And so, basically, this orphanage was founded, and and all of the children there, their parents died from AIDS. And so, we were serving at that orphanage, and we were just ministering to the youth there, and I remember there was one girl named Anna, who I really, really um, God just began to break my heart for. And she immediately just clung on to me. She was about 11 or 12. She was always next, right next to me. Um, and I was just able to speak God's love over her during the week we were there. I was able to just, you know, love on her, speak identity, speak truth, pray for her, give her a Bible, write in the Bible, all the, like, good scriptures. I just, I just gave my whole heart to ministering to her, poured out my whole heart to her. And then after that, that time passed, we had to leave and move on to the next ministry. I remember she just said, you know, don't go. Don't go. Why are you leaving me? And um, this girl, like, she, her parents died 
of AIDS, but she's the um, oldest daughter of, and she had three brothers. One of her brothers was HIV positive. He was like seven, completely on medication, really, really sick. Um, It was so sad. And then um, there was like an infant brother she had and then a toddler. So she's kind of like this, this child herself who's taking care of her three younger siblings, right? And finally someone is loving her and, and just saying, you know, God is with her. Um, and I, I just, she's, you know, looking into my eyes, holding on to me, you know, don't leave me. Don't leave me here. And I just remember my heart breaking. Um, I felt so guilty. I felt like I had really done something wrong. I felt like, man, I'm just going to come here, open up this door, and then leave? Like, what kind of person am I? How could I do this to her? And then um, that two, three months I was in South Africa, I actually had extremely bad digestive problems um, because every day for lunch, um, the missionaries, we only got to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day um, because we had to save money. So every day that's all I had for lunch, but then we had to sit inside a church and eat that in front of children looking in the window who didn't have anything to eat. And I remember every time I ate, I had this pit in my stomach, like, man, I say I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to eat this food when these children don't have anything. I couldn't even eat in peace, and it was messing up my, my stomach because I felt this, like, weight and this stress and this anxiety. That three months, I was becoming really sick and um, just serving with all my heart, loving with all my heart, but Towards the end of that missionary time, I had a nervous breakdown. We had um, class, cultural classes, and I remember one day I couldn't get out of bed because my arms and my legs were all tingling. I couldn't um, breathe properly. I was, it was kind of like a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think straight, and I just like I couldn't move. And I remember it was just this like heavy, crazy weight on my heart. I felt like my foot was beginning to slip because all I saw was this overwhelming sense of need. Like, yeah, I can help one girl, but there's one third, 33% of the people here are HIV positive. There's so many people who need help. There's so many children that are starving. There's so many people that are sick. There's so many people I prayed for that didn't get healed. Lord, like, what am I supposed to do? I can't do it. I can't. I don't have enough in me. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough love. And I'm failing all of these people. I'm not doing a good job ministering to them. I'm not saving them. And I had a nervous breakdown. I took in an entire nation's problems into my own heart. And I couldn't take it. You see, I did not um, ask God or a spiritual leader. I did not ask my belayer, belay on, climb, climbing. I didn't say that. I didn't have anyone to run this by. I didn't have anyone to say, hey, am I ready for this? Hey, is this something I should start climbing right now? Hey, can I handle this? Hey, do you think that this is wise for me right now? I felt like I started to slip under the weight of this, of this guilt, of this inability to help everything I saw there. And I want you guys to take that image, okay, and compare it to an image that happened this, this Sunday at church. Pastor Christian preached on um, the end times. He preached on the fact that people who do not put their faith in Jesus Christ will be separate from Jesus Christ for all of eternity. It's your personal decision whether you want to be with him or not. And if you choose not to, the reality is you will be in hell. 
separate and devoid of his presence, right? And he was just talking about loved ones who's passed away in his own life that he prayed for, that he fasted for, that he presented the gospel to, and they never received Christ, ever. And he had to come to grips with the fact that if they didn't decide to be with Christ, that they are in hell. That is the sad reality. That is what happens, right? And I remember when he said that, something triggered in my heart. As you guys know, my dad passed away last year. And um, there was this little thought that went through my mind um, a couple times. And what happened was, right before my dad passed away, I felt like God was nudging my heart. I felt like God was nudging my heart saying, Rona, you know, message him, email him, pray for him more, minister to him. And I remember being really busy and saying, I'll just do it later, God. I'll just do it later. And then he passed away, and I never did it. And I remember this one thought passed my mind a couple times last year that said, what if you had just sent that email? What if you had just, that last time you saw him, presented the gospel? What if you said a little bit more? Maybe your dad's salvation would have been assured. What if you had given a little more? Maybe things could have ended differently. And I remember Sunday when Pastor Christian said that, it hit me, and this guilt came, and I, I thought, what if I had done that? Man, man, you know? Man, it's my fault. And I remember I just started crying, and, and all I could think was, I'm going to go to my belayer and say, on belay, climbing, should I go down this route? Is this truth? Is this from the Lord? And so I went to Pastor Aaron and I told her what I was feeling. And you know what she said? She said, no, you're not climbing up this. Belay not on, okay? She said, um, she said, Rona, your dad's salvation is not in your hands. You do not have the power to save or to not save your father. That's God's job. You don't have the power to save or not save anyone. That's God's responsibility. And she said, I remove and release you from any sense of shame or guilt. You couldn't have done anything else. You loved him. You prayed for him in the way that God called you to. The rest is up to God. Climbing not on, right? Don't go up that path. You are not going to be able to climb and withstand all this stuff if you are carrying the weight of your dad's death and salvation on you. You can't keep doing ministry if you think people's salvation relies on your ability to say a prayer. No way! What the heck no, right? Climb not on! And so the minute she said that, I was free from this weight that was going to weigh me down during my climb. Wow! Could you guys imagine what that summer in South Africa could have been like if I had a belayer who I had checked in with, who I had said, who I had said, you know, climbing, and they said, don't climb up right now, you're not ready, or who, who I could have brought that issue to. Man, I feel like I'm deserting this, this orphan. Man, I feel like such a bad person. Man, I feel like I'm failing all these people. They would have said, no, no, no. That's not the way you do it. Your, their salvation, their life is not in your hands. It's in God's hands. You do what God calls you to do when God calls you to do it. You need to trust that his salvation, his grace, his power over them is much stronger. He loves them much more than you do. It's not your responsibility. You do what you're called to do, and he does the rest. But no one was there to tell me that. I didn't check in with anyone then, right? 
And so, you see, when I was in South Africa, I needed a belayer to restrain me and prepare me so that when I began to climb, I could go higher. I could go farther and not be weighed down by deception. On belay? Okay. So maybe some of you have felt that restraint. You want to go somewhere, do something, date someone, minister here or there, but your spiritual leader keeps saying, hmm, why don't you wait on that? Hmm, why don't you just try to come out to large group more? Hmm, why don't you just, you know, stop going there and, and come out to your small group? It seems like they're tying you back. It seems like they're holding you back. It seems like they're keeping you from this great, amazing thing that you want to have so bad because that's going to be the answer to all your problems and issues and you desire it so bad. Why are they so mean? They're withholding from you. They're mean people and they're only doing ministry because they hate me, right? Isn't that what you think? Because sometimes I think that, okay? But actually, no, because they look at you and they say, I want you to be fully ready I don't want you to climb up the wrong mountain. I want you to climb up the right mountain. I want it to be prepared for you. I want you to be fully prepared. I want you to be able to go as high as you can. Trust me in my restraint. There is freedom, okay? Sometimes they just need to tell you, you're not ready. You need to calm down a little bit and wait. And sometimes they need to say, the wall's not ready. You know, before, before this guy can climb up, someone else had to climb first and make all these little hook things. Go to the very top and hook the rope. If you go up without that rope, it doesn't even matter if you have a belayer because there's nothing there that's holding the rope, right? Sometimes you're not ready. Sometimes the thing that you want to go do isn't made ready. And so there's freedom in restraint. And there is such wisdom, and and it will save you so much heartache if you trust your belayer when they say, wait, okay? God will say, belay on and climb on when the time is perfect and when all things are in order, okay? So the first job of a belayer is to restrain and to prepare the climber, and the second job of the belayer is to instruct us as we climb, okay? When the belayer does give us the green light and say, go, you're free to start climbing, climb on, his job is nowhere near done. A good belayer is actually a very good climber. They watch or shamar the climber very carefully and intently. They've oftentimes been up the same route. They'll take it, they'll go up first, and then they'll send up the climber, right? As the climber makes their way up, the belayer will say, hey, put your foot on that rock right there, right above your right foot. Or, hey, you can reach that, that grip on your left. Just reach up a little higher. It's, it's one that's going to really help you get to the top, right? When, when you're actually on the wall or the mountain, your, lim- your view is actually very limited. When you're, so when I was there, all I could see was right here, and like a little here and a little here and like my arms and my legs are shaking. I'm, I'm like, you know, oh dang, my strength is going to fail me. I'm not going to make it up. But then the belayer said, no, 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 Rona, you can make it. Rona, actually, you just have to put your foot up a little bit here, right? Because you see that the, the vision that they have is really clear. They see the top, they see the bottom, they see the middle, they see all the grips and the crevices here. Their vision Their oversight over the climber is so much better than the climber's, right? The climber's vision is so limited. (laughs) To them, it's so easy to tell what the next move should be. 
You have no idea because you're spazzing out, but to them, it makes perfect sense. They've done it before. They know how you feel, and they can see it easily. They know exactly what you got to do. It's, it's not science. It's so easy, right? If you listen to your belayer's instructions and guidance, your climb will be easier and much more enjoyable, but it does take a lot of trust. On belay? That's exactly what happened to me during my climb as well. I remember I made it like halfway about where that that dude is on our picture, and I was stuck, okay? I started to frantically look around me and tense up, which is the worst possible thing you could do. And um, because when you tense up, you waste your muscle, you waste your endurance, you waste your energy, which you need when you're closer to the top. I started to, to tense up, and your peace of mind and clarity begins to leave. And in climbing, that's the most important thing. Not freaking out is the most important thing. Being at peace is the most important thing. It's mostly a mind thing, right? And then I remember when I got stuck, stuck, as soon as I got stuck, my belayer, who's an excellent climber, who just climbed up my route, said, "Um, Rona, it's okay. Just breathe. Put your right foot on that blue rock. And you know what I did, guys? You know what your campus director did? I shouted down. Yo, my foot can't reach there. Heck no. Because it looks so far away from my vision, right? I was like, there's no way I can move my foot over there. No way. But then I did it anyway. And it was much easier than I thought. And then as soon as I put my foot there, I had the leverage to reach up to the next thing. And then I made it all the way to the top, right? (laughs) I trusted my belayer and did it anyway. And then I could reach it. As soon as I got my foot there and pushed off, it was a piece of cake. It was exactly the move I needed to make. But what if I had been like, heck no, I can't reach it. I'm going to find my own way. Let me just try to reach here. Let me try to reach here. And then I'm stuck there. My, my muscle and endurance level is like not good. I'm tensing up. I'm stuck for good. I probably wouldn't have been able to make it up. I probably would have just let go and then given up, right? In the same way, in Psalm 121, when it says the Lord watches over us or shamars us, it means he pays attention to us and diligently attends to us, okay? The psalmist says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord does not slumber or sleep. He is your shade at your right hand. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord's desire is not just to get you off to a good start, to get you off to a good climb, to prepare you and send you off. His desire is not to just get you saved and then peace out until he meets you in heaven. But he is attentive to your soul. He is attentive to you every step of the way. Every part of the climb, he's with you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. In the word of God, it says Jesus is our good shepherd. All along the journey, he shamars us, he watches us, he instructs us, and he guides us. Wisdom from the Lord is always available to us. But will we listen? Are our ears attuned to our belayer or just our own thoughts, just our own understanding, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You know, it doesn't matter how good a belayer is at leading. He can shout out all the perfect moves, instructions, 
next motions, whatever. He could know exactly how to, how to climb that, that mountain. He could be the best of climbers. But if we don't trust our belayer, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say. If we choose to lean on our own understanding, what we believe to be right, it doesn't matter how good his instructions are. You know, when God appoints a leader over you, they're not just telling you some advice or some smart things they thought of one day, but um, they have vision that you do not because God has put them in that place over you. God's given them a bigger, larger, better picture than what you can see. They, just like the belayer, see the whole mountain, not just a little situation or the little problem that you're in at the moment, right? They can say one simple adjustment to your feet or your hands, and it'll bring breakthrough and your climb will be much easier. You can choose to disregard their words. I could, could have chosen to not listen to my belayer and said, heck no, I can't do it. I can't, I can't come out to large group. I can't come out to small group. I can't do this. I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. Do you know me? I'm not capable of that. I could have just argued and disregarded their words. But they can see with much better vision than I can, right? You can choose to trust in your own understanding, but if you choose to acknowledge your belayer, I promise that their oversight and their wisdom will make it easier to you. God will make your path straight and will not allow your foot to slip. On belay? All right, so the last role of a belayer is also to create tension in the rope as we climb, okay? And this is crucial. Tension in the rope does three things, okay? The first thing is it allows us to rest. The second thing that it does is it catches us. And the third thing it does is it causes us to go higher, okay? So when the belayer is, is holding onto the rope, he can choose, okay, I'm going to give slack or I'm going to make it tight. That tightness is called tension, okay? So three things, rest catches us and causes us to go higher. The first thing tension does is it allows us to rest. The way that the belay device works is it, the belayer has to hold on to one side of the rope at all times. And then they adjust, like I said, the amount of looseness or tension, right? Based on what the climber needs. For example, I was trying to um, unhook the rope from one of the little lock thingies, okay? But... To do that, my, my rope needed some slack. If it's, ten, if it's tight, I can't um, maneuver it in order to unlock it. So what I had to do, what the, what the belayer needed to know, what they had to do was give me slack so that I could unlock it while I was up there. But I didn't even have to tell them. As soon as I got to that hook, I already had slack available to me so I could unlock it easily, right? And then they tighten it whenever I'm going up. So... A good belayer knows just the right amount of tension in the rope to give the climber at all times. During my climb, I got to a part of the wall where it started to incline, right? So it's like straight, but then at the, towards the top, it starts going like this. Barely, okay? Because I was on the, the easy noob section. But even though it was inclining a little bit, it's like super duper harder. And it's at the top, so you're already like kind of tired. So um, when it started to incline, it was getting very hard for me, and my arms were, like, really hurting. Like, they, I, I was, like, I couldn't grip any, like, it's hard for me to hold this mic. Okay, I'm really sore. And then, so I was, like, at the incline, I was, like, ah, they hurt so bad. Ah, and I was saying it like that, too. And then, um. My arms were really hurting, and I was tensing up. I wasn't using my leg strength. My technique was a little off, so I should have had more arm strength, but I didn't. And so at the top, I just kind of stopped, 
okay, at the incline. I just kind of stopped. And instead of, but then when I stopped, instead of feeling my full body weight, tension in the rope was increased and some of the weight was taken off of me. You see, my belayer pulled the rope and increased the tension so that I could rest. He knew this is about the time where it's going to get hard. It's Rona's first time climbing. She's probably feeling really tired. I know that she's going to get tired here. I'm going to just increase the tension, and then she's going to be able to chill a little bit and take a rest, right? After a little while of resting, I started to climb again, and as I grabbed the rock above me, I hadn't chalked my hand. There's a little baggie of chalk, okay? You, like, stick your hand in there, and then you're able to grab it. But I hadn't chalked my hand in a while, and because I was tensing up, my hands were super, like, sweaty, And so I slipped. I grabbed, and then I I grabbed the next one, and then it completely slipped off, right? I slipped off, and my entire body came off of the rock wall. But I'm still alive. Do you know why? I did not plummet to my death because the tension in the rope caught me. I didn't go anywhere. I slipped, and then I just hung. (laughs) Okay? There was no falling. I didn't fall at all. I literally slipped, and then there was, there was nowhere that I went, okay? I hung out next to the wall right where I had slipped. I didn't decrease at all. I looked down at my belayer and was so thankful, as you can imagine, okay? <laughs> Even though I didn't know I was going to slip, he was ready to catch me just in case I might. After slipping, I attempted to climb again, But by that point, my arms had zero strength. Like, they were like jelly. And I just knew that I could not get to the top. I knew it. I was like, I know what I'm capable of. You know, next time, I'm going to push myself further. It's going to be easier. My muscles are going to, like, whatever. But this time, I'm not going to get to the top. I know I I can't do it. I know I can't do it. I, I was, like, very logical reality was that I could not make it to the top. Like, I was really tired. And so I kind of just hung out and shouted, yeah, I can't do it anymore. And I just, like, hung out in my harness. (laughs) And I was basically communicating to my belayer, I'm done. Bring me down. I'm not going to make it. I'm quitting. Bring me on down. Lower me down. Lower me down. But you know what my belayer did? He just kept me there. (laughs) He just kept me hanging out at the top. He just, I was just swinging back and forth. And then, um... He didn't bring me down, and he said, Rona, you are almost at the top. You can't give up now. You're almost there. I know you can make it. You're so much closer than you think you are. Just reach that one rock right above your head. Reach that one rock, and you're there. Don't give up now. And so in that moment, I had another decision to make. Trust what I think I'm capable of or trust what my belayer said. But I knew from last time when I had slipped and he had caught me, I knew from the last time when I didn't know where to put my feet and he told me, I knew I could trust him. And so I listened and I reached up to that one rock and he was right. I was almost there. It was just like a couple more moves and I was at the top. And I made it to the top. And it was my first time ever going. And I, I like, touched the top. And it was, like, this glorious moment. Like, yeah, that's right. I did. I made it to the top. Yeah. Okay? I was so excited. I made it to the top. (laughs) 
Because at that point, I knew that my belayer knew better than me. I knew that he knew better than me. I made it all the way up. And the tension in the rope that the belayer gave me allowed me to stay up at the top and be victorious at the moment when I was about to give up and back down. On belay. So what I want to say from, to you from Psalm 121 is that God is our good belayer. It says that God will not let our foot slip or moat, waver, shake, fall. He who watches or shamars us will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You see, God, our perfect belayer, allows us to rest during our climb because he doesn't. He doesn't ever rest. It says he does not slumber. It says he does not sleep. We may not always be ready for the climb, but he is always belay on, okay? He is always awake, and his eyes are always on us, attentive to us, watching us, caring for us. And his response to us is always on belay. He is always on. Psalm 121 says that God will not allow our foot to slip. He will not allow us to moat or fall, right? And that is the truth. Just as that tension in the rope from my belayer caught me when I slipped, God knows how much help you need. He knows the parts of the climb that are the hardest. He knows which seasons in your life are harder than others. He knows what your schedule is like. He knows how much homework you have. He knows the relationships in your life right now that are weighing you down. He knows your issues. He knows your family drama. He knows your money situation. He knows all of it. And he knows how much tension and how much slack in the rope to give you at all times. He knows it all. And the moments when it's the most hard in our climb, and we reach up, but our hand or foot slips, even then, even, even then, we cannot fall, right? Just like I was caught, even then, the Lord catches us. Even when you make a mistake, you make the wrong move, you go down the wrong path, you say or do the wrong thing, even when you slip, you cannot fall, and you cannot fail. When you grab the wrong place in your climb, his grace still catches you. That tension is his grace saying, I will not let your slip fall. Your climb is up to me. It's dependent on me, not on you. He does not slumber or sleep, but he watches you and he will not let you fall. On belay? Lastly, just as the belayer creates tension in the rope so that we can go higher, we can keep climbing even when we would like to come down and give up. God does the same thing as our belayer. He will allow or even create tension in our lives so that we can go higher. Okay? You know that sometimes you can go much farther than you think you can. You're much wiser than you think you are. You're much stronger than you think you are, right? You are much more steadfast, much more um, endure, and you have much more endurance than you think you do. But you're never going to figure that out unless there's a little bit of tension. There's a little bit of trials. Just like Pastor Aaron preached, trials expose the, the faith that you already have. This tension, these trials will expose what's really in you, right? You see, sometimes... There is a faith in us that we didn't even know was there. 
And God believes in us. Even when we want to give up on ourselves, God will not give up on us that easily. Do you know how powerful that was when I made it to the top? It was so powerful because I made it to the top um, because someone else believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Do you know what that feels like? You make it to a place of victory because of someone else's faith, not your own. Someone else's belief in you rather than your own, right? God is so committed to you that even if you feel like giving up or even if you feel like you can't make it, he will leave you there in that place at the top because he's confident. He is completely confident of his ability to get you to the top. So my conclusion tonight is that tension is good, okay? God will allow tension in our lives so that we will, that, so that we will see that with him nothing is impossible, He will let us go to that place of impossibility to show us that impossibility means nothing to him. He will take us to the absolute limit of our understanding, our ability, and our strength to show us that there is so much more available to us through him. He brings us to that place where we are are completely unable in our own ability. And he says, now let me help you. Now let me get you to the top. Let me take you the rest of the way in my strength. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Hold unswervingly. Hold on to where you are. In the midst of trials and tension in your life, hold on. Not because you're able, not because you have the strength or because it's easy, but hold on because the one who promised, promised you victory. The one who promised that you'd get to the top, he is faithful. And if he says, belay on to you, he knows he can get you there. Don't give up, but hold unswervingly, okay? You know, it might be easy for us to become overwhelmed in these moments of tension when our own strength is failing, just like whenever I was almost at the top and freaking out, you know. But my response when I see students and when I see people in this place of trial or tension, when they're like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm so stressed out, I can't do it, ah, right? When I see that in my heart, I don't say it out loud because I know it could be insulting, but in my heart I'm saying, this is so good. This is so good. You know, there's another climbing phrase that the climber says to the belayer. And when they're at the top and um, they feel like they're going to fall, they say, take or attention, right? The climber will shout that out. And as soon as the climber does that, the belayer pulls it tight. So if they fall, they're not going to fall anywhere. Um, When you feel like you can't do it anymore, all you have to do is cry out to your belayer. All you have to do is say, tension, take, make the rope tight, help me. All you have to do is cry out to your belayer. The moment you open your mouth and cry out for help, he is there. The moment you stretch out your hand to the next rock, he is there. He is lifting you up. Your belayer is faithful. You know, the reason we can climb and step out in faith, take risks, and not fear falling or failing is because of God's promise that we won't slip or fall, but also because God sent his son, Jesus, right? Jesus took the fall for us. It says in the word of God that in Ephesians, Ephesians, Jesus descended to the lowest place. He defeated death, right? He led captives in his train. He descended and took the fall so that he could belay you and I to the top. He descended 
so that you could ascend. The wall you are climbing is a wall of grace and not works. You have full and complete access to the Father and to all things in the kingdom because the one who is belaying you has gone before you and made a way for you. Now you cannot slip and you cannot fall because Jesus is belaying you. And so I want to just spend a little time in prayer. We're going to end a little early tonight. And so I want Bo on the keys. And could you guys dim the lights? And I know that in this time of the semester, you're done with midterms, but it's hard. It's hard to keep climbing. You've been climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing, and it looks like it never gets easier. It looks like you're just now hitting an incline. It looks like these decisions are too hard for you to make. It looks like you're never going to reach the top. It looks like these trials, this tension, you don't have enough strength to overcome, right? But the Lord is saying, I am your belayer. If you lift your eyes up to the hills, I am your help in time of need. I watch you. I will not let your foot, your foot slip or your foot fall, right? And so I want everyone to close your eyes. And I want you guys to just imagine yourself on that mountain or on that rock wall, just like I was on yesterday. And I think all of us can kind of imagine that trial or that situation or that tension in our lives where we say, I'm unable, I'm ready to call it quits, I'm ready to come down, I'm ready to walk away from this Emmaus thing, from this Jesus thing, from this faith thing, I'm ready to walk away from this person, this relationship, I'm ready to walk away from my commitments, it's just too much, I can't do it, I'm not strong enough, or maybe there are some leaders over your life that God has, has entrusted you to. They're there to belay you. They're there to pull you up higher. But all you hear from them is restraint. Restraint, restraint, restraint. Don't go. Don't do this. Don't do that. And you have such a hard time trusting them. You feel like they're holding you back from all the things you want the most. Or maybe... You're actually climbing, and they're telling you, hey, why don't you think about this? Why don't you put your foot here? Why don't you grab here? But you're fighting them all along the way because you're saying, no, I understand where I am. You don't know what it feels like to be on this wall. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know the situation I'm in. Maybe it's been hard for you to trust that your belayer has the best in store for you. Maybe it's been hard for you to trust in your belayer's restraint. But I want to say that God is a good belayer, and you can trust him. And the leaders that he's appointed over you are good belayers with your best interests at heart, that want to shamar you, that want to watch and care for you. Their goal is to get you as high as you can go, but in wisdom, they don't want you to start strong and then fall. They want you to get all the way to the top, but it's going to take you trusting in them. And I feel like some of you guys just want to give up, but I want to say to you that in those moments when you want to just throw in the towel, all you have to do is cry out, on belay, on belay. God, are you there? God, are you with me? God, can you help me? God, tension in the rope. God, will you catch me? 
And if you ever cry to the Father, his answer is always, belay on. I am never asleep. I am always awake to you. I know your needs. I know your next move. I know how far you are from the top. And I'm saying you can make it. Just like my belayer didn't give up on me, the Lord is not giving up on you. And it's not because you have it all together, and it's not because you have it all figured out. You may not even know the next move you have to make. You may not know how it's going to possibly work out. It doesn't make logical sense, but he's saying to you, I'm the one that's faithful. And if I've called you to this mountain, if I've called you to this place, I'm the one that's getting you there because I am your belayer. I am your God. I am the good shepherd. I'm the author and the perfecter of your faith. And I finish every good work that I started. I will complete it. I will get you there by my grace. But some of you have never accessed the grace because you've done your whole faith thing in your own power. You've never really needed God to come through for you. You've never had to trust him for anything. And so if you feel like there's tension in your life and you feel like you can't climb higher, it's a good thing because God is saying, cry out to me and let me show you my grace. Let me show you that I catch you. Let me show you that you cannot fall. I was um, hiking a couple weeks ago and it was one of the first warm days outside and it was absolutely beautiful. And I was climbing up, and we had barely made it, but I kept saying every five minutes, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful day. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Look at that tree. Look at that waterfall. It's so beautiful. And we were making it slowly up the trail. And I remember um, we were halfway there, and this, this hiker was coming down the opposite direction. So he'd already been to the top where we were going. And as he came down, he heard me say, this is so beautiful. And he had this smile on his face, and he got to where I was, and he looked at me in the face, and he said, hey, it gets even better. It gets so much better than this. It gets even better. Just wait till you get to the top. And you know what? No matter how tired my legs were, no matter how hot it had become, I was full of so much excitement because what I saw around me was so good. But he said, it gets even better. And it filled me with so much expectancy for what was about to come. And what I want to say to you is, why should you climb on? Why should you fight the good fight even when your strength is failing, when it's hard for you, when it doesn't make sense? Why should you climb on? Why should you trust your belayer? Because it gets even better. You've tasted and seen a glimpse of God's goodness. You felt a little portion, such a small, small measure of his love and his goodness and his grace through Emmaus, through New Philly, through your life. But it gets even better. It gets so much better. You have no idea what's at the top waiting for you. No eye has seen and no ear has heard all that God has prepared for those who are in him. He has so much good in store for you. Don't give up. You're almost at the top. You're almost there. And when your strength is failing, call out to your shepherd. Cry out to your belayer and his grace will get you to the top. Knowing God and life with him, guys, it's better than you can imagine. Keep your eye on that eternal, eternal prize when your strength is failing. 
God, I just thank you for every student in this room. And God, I thank you that even their decision to come out this week in the midst of tests, in the midst of stress, in the midst of tension and trials in their life, when they could be trying to find their own move, make it all make sense in their mind, make the logical next decision to study for five more hours, to spend all this time with that person, to try to figure out that problem. God, I thank you that they're choosing to listen to the voice of their belayer by coming tonight. And God, I thank you that your word of encouragement for them is climb on. You've got this. You've got them, God, and you will not let them fall. You will not let them slip. God, I thank you that your grace surrounds them. Your grace will get them to the top. Father, I thank you that you have so much, so much in store for each and every one of these students. And I thank you that, God, they cannot fall. That every day of their life, they're not going backwards, but they're going forwards. They're climbing higher in you, God. Lord, I thank you that you're revealing to you, to us, God, the depth and the height and the width of your love. You're revealing to us how good you are and how safe we are in you. God, in every trial and every tension, we choose to trust you. We choose to trust your voice. We choose to trust when you say we're ready. When you tell us to wait, we'll wait. When you tell us to go, we'll go. When you tell us to make the next move, we'll listen, God. We trust in you, God, and that's the cry of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.